Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, the last college podcast of the year that I will record from the Baseball America podcast nook. Joining me from uh, California, Aaron Fitt, as always, our national writer for college baseball. Aaron, welcome back into the podcast, and I'll just tell you one, one more time, congratulations on a tremendous year of college baseball coverage from the left coast, our first foray of having you on the west coast. And I have to say, I thought it was uh, it, it earned boffo reviews. Well, I certainly uh, certainly enjoyed it, and uh, you know, it, it it was a nice change of pace, a nice uh, perspective um, to do it from out here. I mean, I, I really believe. I think I've said this before, but uh, I really believe that it's hard to find a better home base to cover college baseball than, than Orange County. I mean, it's uh, you know not only because of all the quality of baseball nearby but because you know the first six weeks of the season uh you get to see teams from all over the country out here i mean i saw you know arkansas and louisville and coastal carolina and yukon and uh vanderbilt i mean all these teams without even having to leave southern california so uh, it worked out very well i thought i thought so too for the reasons you just uh, elaborated on and also congratulations aaron you uh you did better than me in our picks and our head-to-head predictions of what would happen uh in regionals and super regionals Edging me out seven to six from last week's podcast and the uh, teams that come to the College World Series. I guess first of all we should uh, bow down to South Carolina and apologize <laughs> for picking UConn in that yeah. uh, super. And then kudos to you for picking A uh, and M over Florida State. I really thought that Sean Gil Martin, uh, especially because he controls the running game so well, would be able to handle Texas A and M. But the Aggies with an uprising, a pretty exciting weekend of super regional play, Aaron. And we had, I guess there were really two Super Regionals that were at a different level, and it was not either of the two that you and I happened to be at. I was at one of the games for North Carolina-Stanford, which was a very good Super Regional, two close games, two well-played games. Uh, And then uh, you were at Dallas Baptist-Cal, not as competitive. Cal, clearly the better team. But uh, the Virginia-Irvine Super and the Florida-Mississippi State Super uh, familiarity breeds some contempt in that Florida-Mississippi State one, that two SEC teams going at it, and Virginia and Irvine with a rain-interrupted but very tight series uh, with the final game coming down to the last out and uh, Virginia with an amazing rally to keep its season alive. Which which Super Regional to you uh, earns the title of best Super Regional? Those two are extremely compelling, and, and um, partly because they both featured uh, number three seeds against the top two national seeds. So you had the real upset factor. And I, I kind of felt like watching those, um, the tension is just heightened when it's a potential upset in the works. You know, it's not even, even when you've got two great teams going at it, I feel like it's, it doesn't feel quite as tense as when you're UC Irvine and you're, you know, three outs from Omaha against right. the number one national seed. Um, boy, I mean, I felt terrible for Irvine where that thing unraveled on him, but uh, I would have felt really bad for Virginia if they had, Failed, uh, you know, they'd fallen short in super regionals for the second straight year. As talented as they were, as as great a regular season they had, but um, just an incredible, <laughs> incredible dramatic finish in Charlottesville. Um, I thought, uh, as a whole, that super regional to me 
uh, was a little behind the other one, partly because the, the weather delays uh, messed up the rhythm a little bit, I thought. Uh, there was a lot of weather delays that, that played a pretty prominent role in that thing. But, uh, you know, but that last game was a classic. Um, and for, for Virginia to be, you know, one strike away from elimination with two outs and nobody on base in the ninth inning down a run against Matt Summers, you know, Irvine's ace who would come back to, to close it out. Uh, and then to come back with, with single up the middle, single up the middle walk, and then another single up the middle. Um, it's to me, you know, it, it speaks to what our, our super regional scouting report said about Virginia. Um, every single at bat is a mental and physical grind and, and they just, you know, they're so disciplined, even with their season on the line, they stayed to their approach up the middle on the ground. And, and let's just take this one at bat at a time. And, you know, it showed a lot of toughness. I thought both Virginia and Florida responded so well with their, their backs against the wall. I mean, their season's um, really on the line. I mean, Florida was down, uh, you know, in, in the uh, the seventh inning, I think, in that final game against Mississippi State, they had blown a 4 nothing lead. Second day in a row, they had blown the lead. Um, you know, Mississippi State was playing with all kinds of confidence. And, and Florida, to their credit, bounced back, and they got the big three-run homer from Preston Tucker. So both those teams playing to me like champions uh, because, you know, they, they were tested and, and they responded. I think you make a great point about Preston Tucker. Uh, that was a pretty big at-bat. For Florida, I think people don't seem to be giving them as much credit, maybe because they were just at home against a Mississippi State team that, in my mind, was definitely a borderline regional team. But Florida's playing without two guys are probably getting pretty big scholarships in Brian Johnson and Austin Maddox. And that's not just two starters in their lineup and two of their biggest bats. That's also like their number two starter in their closer. That's like losing four players when you don't have Brian Johnson and Austin Maddox. And uh, they still win that uh, super regional. And Mississippi State's a a talented team, young team, but pretty talented. I I like their athleticism. We've talked about that all year. And they got a big performance. We talked about their starting pitching being the question. My personal cheese ball, Nick Rout, came up big for them again in the postseason. So, um, you know, well, they they did have enough pitching when Nick Rout was healthy to be a national contender. We saw that the last two weekends. Right. Uh, but but the Virginia thing, I think you nailed it. The the super regional previews told you exactly what like what you said. I thought about that as the game was going on. So uh, that was great stuff. Whoever your source was on that was a very very good source or extremely good source <laughs> or however you want to put it. Um, one more thing before we move on to Omaha, Aaron. Tennessee gets a new head coach. It leaves Cal State Fullerton without their head coach. Dave Serrano, as expected, leaving Fullerton for Tennessee. He was once an assistant at Tennessee. Um, you know, between the California economy, which I think is a small factor, but the uh, Cal State, but, the, but Cal State Fullerton's athletic budget has been cut, like everyone else in California, and the fact that Fullerton doesn't have football and Tennessee does, and has 110,000 people who come to games, and that is a lot of money. And they're in the SEC; they're in a BCS league. A lot more money for Tennessee to throw at uh, Dave Serrano. So Tennessee gets its man. What does this mean for Tennessee and the SEC going forward? How successful do you see Serrano being at Tennessee? And who, if you were at Cal State Florida, whom would you hire as the uh, head coach, seeing as how you're an Orange County resident? That's a, that's a great question. Um, well, it's like three. You know, I, <laughs> it's like three I, questions. It's, it's a lot of, this is a lot of questions. Uh, I'll start with, I'll start with 
Toronto to Tennessee, you know, I think it's obviously it's a great hire. I mean, the guy is one of the best coaches out there. He's an extremely respected pitching coach, um, and he he's won everywhere he's gone. I mean, he hasn't won big at Fullerton, maybe the way you thought he would. I mean, he's had some some teams there that were, you know, that had national title kind of ability, um, and and I think he had that those kind of expectations for for his at least for his 2009 and 2010 teams, and and. To some degree, this team as well. Uh, this team maybe not as, as good as those last two, certainly. But uh, right. um, you know, and 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 they've they've fallen a little bit short um, when you when you when you think of it in that term. I mean, they've been to Omaha once in four years, and they went zero and two. But they did win three regionals. I mean, hey, anytime you're winning regionals, I think you're doing all right. Uh, so the guy is is a great coach. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, you can win at Tennessee, and I think he will win at Tennessee. Facilities are, are, are really nice. They've, they've added to the facilities there. They've upgraded the clubhouse and things like that. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a program that was in Omaha as recently as 2005. I mean, it seems like a long time ago, but it's not that long ago. Um, you, you can win there, and, and it's in the SEC. He's going to have all the resources he needs. They're desperate for a winner there, I think. I mean, after the last four years, uh, which have been very disappointing, and maybe the last five years, six years. But uh, I think he's going to have all the resources and the support that he needs, and I think he's going to be very successful there. I agree. I think he will be successful there. Um, I think I do think the SEC is a pretty different kettle of fish than the Big West. In the Big West, Certainly. Which, frankly, you know, the Big West is down. Uh, Long Beach State's down. Santa Barbara also going to have a, pit, a coaching change. With Bob Bronsma stepping aside there. Um you know, Irvine, uh, certainly I respect Coach Gillespie a great deal. And that program did a nice job this year being an out away, a strike away from Omaha. Coach Gillespie, 67 years old. You know, these things are, do not last forever. Um, you know, the, the whole Big West is down. I think the Big West as a conference is actually the one that takes the biggest hit here. I think Fullerton mm-hmm. will make a good hire. They, they clearly put a lot of resources into baseball. But uh, it's the Big West that takes a hit here because it's uh, unless Fullerton hires, say, a Mike Batesel away from Fresno State, and it's going to be hard to hire somebody with a better resume than a guy who's taken two teams to Omaha and, and Dave Serrano. And the uh, other, go ahead. The other name, the other name that I think is Batesel and Andy Lopez. I mean, both those guys have national championships, uh, and uh, and I think we'll be interested in this job. I, I think Andy. Those are the guys um, who have better resumes. I agree with you. Those, the, well, I don't even know better, but a national championship for Batesel trumps Serrano. He didn't take Northridge to Omaha, but he got awfully close, and it was Cal State freaking Northridge. Right. Yeah. It, to me, both those, both those guys have really strong resumes, and uh, uh, Lopez to me feels like a guy that, that that could happen. I mean, you know, there's. I think he's uh, he's been frustrated a little bit. Maybe with with the way that uh, uh, with the support that he's gotten in Arizona, I mean, it's it's, it's Arizona is not that easy of a place to win, actually, um, and he's done a really nice job there. And, and uh, you know that that's a guy that uh, that could make some sense. I certainly think Bill Kernan's going to get a strong look as well. I mean, he's done a great job at Cal State Bakersfield. Um, I think Rick Vanderhoek will be in the mix. Uh, I think Jason Gill at Loyola Marymount will get a look, but I, I don't get the sense that those guys are, are really the front runners. I, I like your idea of either Batesel um, or or Lopez, and the more I think about it, the more Andy makes sense because Andy would be looking. He's a SoCal guy. He's a UCLA. Yep. What we, I guess he's a UCLA guy. Played for Dave. Uh, he either went to UCLA and played for Gary Adams, or he played at, for Gary at UC Irvine. I'm not quite sure which one, but he's a Gary Adams guy. He's long been rumored to be the UCLA coach. Did not get that job, obviously. John Savage did. 
Um, yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Plus, Andy's at the age where you know this could be his final destination job. You know, he'd be there for ten. He's not going to be as likely to be hired away by a BCS football school, um, which I think Fullerton's always going to fight. It's always going to be hard for them to keep away a school with mega dollars, you know, like like Oregon had, and then because of football, Tennessee has. So uh, right. So a big challenge for Cal State Fullerton. They're obviously, I think, one of the top ten jobs in college baseball. I think it's a top ten program, uh, even though they, like you said, they've only gone to the college series. I guess it's twice in the last five years, and both times were 0-2 because Coach Horton's last trip in 2007 was also 2-Q. Right. Um, but yet a program that's won, what, four national championships? So um, latest, most recent one in 2004. So in my mind, an elite program and uh, an elite program year in and year out. Let's talk about the teams that are already in the, this year's College World Series, though, Aaron, the teams we're all going to see later this week. And I guess the first game, correct me if I'm wrong, is North Carolina Vanderbilt, correct? Yeah, that is uh, 2 p.m. I believe uh, Eastern Time on Saturday. So let's let's start on that side of the bracket: North Carolina against Vanderbilt and Texas against Florida. Aaron, this is a pretty, pretty, pretty hard hitting, pretty big name uh, bracket. You have three yeah. of, frankly, you have three of the best brand names in college sports. Period. And Texas, the school that has its own network, uh, you know, and has won five national championships. Florida, as good as Florida's program is, and North Carolina, again, a big brand name. And fifth trip in six years to Omaha for the Tar Heels. Uh, Then you have Vanderbilt. I mean, Vanderbilt's amazing. They're the smallest name in this group, right? Yeah, I I think that's fair to say. Absolutely. Um, Give us a quick overview of this this, uh, bracket. Boy, it's really compelling. I mean – You've got four national seeds here, and, and you know, Vanderbilt is the sixth national seed, but I think that might be the best, most complete team in the whole country. Uh, and Texas certainly, I think, lags behind these other teams offensively, but has elite pitching and defense, and, it you know, that's a winning formula. Um, it, great, great set of games here. I mean, this whole bracket, both sides, really – uh, are exciting. I think this is a phenomenal College World Series field. Maybe I say that every year. I mean, I'm just a college baseball junkie, but I love this field. I, <laughs> you I do, really think, I think it's tremendous. I think you actually do say that every year. But this is a <laughs> this is a this bracket with the, all four the national seeds that could have advanced all advancing. So you have a two three your two seed, your three seed, your six seed, your seven seed. I think this is the best bracket I can remember, um, just because you have you know North Carolina, which over the last six years has done as well as you can do without winning a national championship. I mean, uh, that, 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 I mean, five times, five trips in six years is ridiculous. Um, Florida back to back national, uh, college World series runs, insane talent, sec tournament champions, Texas is Texas. Augie Garrido is Augie Garrido. The coaching resumes of these guys and this coaching, <laughs> the coaches in this bracket is insane. And, uh, and then Vanderbilt, I mean, oh, by the way, it sets a record for most players drafted ever by a Southeastern Conference team, not by an Ohio Valley Conference team, not by the Sun Belt or the Northeast Conference, by the Southeastern Conference. I mean, that's amazing. That's an amazing stat to me that no SEC team ever had 12 players drafted because the record is 14. Yeah. And if you want to fudge it, you could go 15 without Arizona State team that had Jason Jarvis, who started the year on their team but was drafted out of Indy Ball. I don't consider that. I don't consider that the record holder. But there have been like five instances where a team has had 14 players drafted, and it's never been an SEC team. So 
Uh, I think this bracket is as good a bracket as there's ever been in the Coddled series. Uh, I think it's hard to choose a better, you know, which is the best bracket of all time. North Carolina Vanderbilt, Aaron. This is kind of kind of reminds me a little bit in some ways of North Carolina versus Stanford, and that Stanford had a lot more pro talent than North Carolina. But the difference is, is that you know Vanderbilt's a much more complete team yeah. than Stanford is. Um, how do these team two teams match up? They both have deep bullpens. They like to go left right. I think we think that Vanderbilt's bullpen is better, more talented. Uh, how do the teams' offenses and defenses uh, match up? Because it seems like talent wise, Vanderbilt has the edge. John, I think Vanderbilt has the edge in every category. Yeah. I think they're much better. Uh, they're, they're more dangerous offensively. Their lineup is more complete, one through nine. They've got more, more you know, guys in the middle who scare you a little bit more. As, as good as Colin Moran and Levi Michael are, uh, I think Aaron Westlake and, and Jason Esposito are, are a little better. Um, you know, you've got uh, – um, and, and I say that even though we had, we had, had Moran as our first team All-American at third base and, and Esposito as the second team. Teamer. Uh, that's a testament to a great season by Moran. But, uh, you know, Vanderbilt's – the difference between Vanderbilt and Stanford is Vanderbilt's a lot more experienced, first of all. I mean, they've got all upperclassmen, it seems like, most, most, uh, most all over the diamond. Um, they've got uh, really reliable guys on the mound. I mean, Vanderbilt's a much better pitching team, certainly, than Stanford uh, and, and better than North Carolina. I mean, as Patrick Johnson's great, and he's had a great year, and he's been on fire. Um, certainly doesn't have the pro talent that Sonny Gray has, but both those guys are, you know, kind of undersized – uh, fierce competitors should be a really fun pitching matchup there. Um, and, that's, a, that's, and that's, bo- that's an Aaron fit pitching matchup. Those are guys you can yeah. almost look eye to eye with. And, uh, that's right. And, uh, <laughs> they, they both are really, really good, but in different ways. I love that pitching matchup. Yeah, me too. I'm with you. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Sonny, Sonny's got dominant stuff with, uh, at least at his best. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a really, it's an elite fastball and the best curve ball in college baseball when it's on and and uh and a changeup that's really good too and patrick johnson's a, a four pitch mix guy and uh it's you know it's a it's an average fastball kind of a you know he pitches well with the breaking ball i know that it doesn't rate as, as maybe maybe not even be an average pitch on the pro scale but uh, it's a really effective pitch in college i mean he can expand the zone with it he can throw it for strikes he's got really good feel for the breaking ball yeah i, th- I actually think that his breaking ball um, and, you know, as a college breaking ball his breaking ball is a, a well above average college breaking ball because of his feel for the breaking ball that's always to me right the defining characteristic of patrick johnson is that he can bury the breaking ball he can throw it for a strike he can vary the shape you know he's got just enough fastball and just enough command to set up and this year the command has taken a big step forward and that's yeah. and to me that's what allows him to be dominant at the college level this year because he has I always thought he'd be a successful college base a college pitcher because of his feel for spin and I think that that'll make him an effective relief pitcher as well at the pro level but uh his feel for spin is what sets him apart he might have better feel for spin than Sonny Gray he doesn't have a better breaking ball than Sonny Gray but as far right. as the ability to throw for strikes and to put it where he wants to and to set hitters up for it I think Patrick Johnson is as advanced as anybody I'll tell you a stat that blows my mind Aaron North Carolina has outscored Vanderbilt this year. Is they that played, right? They, they played two more games. I guess their runs per game is probably going to be very comparable. But I'm looking at the NCAA website right now. North Carolina, 445 runs. Vanderbilt, 442. Hmm. I, I think I think North Carolina's offense, and I'm guilty of it, they get underrated a little bit offensively because they don't have the big bopper like a Westlake. But what impressed me the most about North Carolina and the Super Regional is the depth of the lineup. That uh, you know, and Vanderbilt has a deep lineup as well. 
But uh, because Mike Fox mixes and matches with the righties and the lefties and these guys, they get contributions up and down the lineup. And I don't think there's any better example than you know, Mark Appel. If we were putting together, and we're working on it, but if we were putting together a 2012 draft list right now, Mark Appel is going to be in the top three on that college side. He might be the number one guy. Right. And Mark Appel made a mistake to North Carolina's nine-hole hitter, and Seth Baldwin made him pay for it. And there are not many teams. Yeah. There are not many teams that where their nine-hole hitter can take Mark Appel out of the park, oppo, in a big moment. But that's what North. That that's how deep North Carolina's lineup is. I, I do think that your opening statement is correct. Vanderbilt is just more talented team than North Carolina all the way around. The biggest advantage North Carolina has is going to be. In the dugout, nothing against Tim Corbin. He's a great coach. He's done a tremendous job. But this is his first trip to Omaha as a head coach. I think Vanderbilt's going to go in there loose. I think, and I think in Vanderbilt's mind, they're playing with house money. They finally broke that door down, just kind of like North Carolina did in, in 2006. Yeah. And they broke that door down, and they went to Omaha. And all those players and coaches, that was their first time to Omaha, but they played loose out there until, a... until they lost that second game. to you know They lost that lead to Oregon State. That was a, that was a tremendous college series, two thousand six. Yeah, probably the best college that, that, series in the last decade. Me, to me, that's a that's a great point. It's a great. I love that comparison. And Mike Fox has even said since then that uh, you know he thinks that the first time in some ways was easier than the subsequent three times because because you get there, you don't know any better, and you just like right you now. said, you play loose and easy. And I could definitely see that from Vanderbilt. I really I, could. I I, think I, I don't think you know. I think too often people accuse Vanderbilt of getting tight in, in big spots, and you know they've had a history of coming up a little short, whether they're tight or not. I don't know, but I, they sure didn't play tight this past weekend. They really destroyed Oregon State, uh, and uh, they're they're playing at an extremely high level. And, and as, as much respect as I have for North Carolina, and, and I have a lot of it, um, and, and I'm the first to admit that I've been way too light on that team all year long, uh, and, and their offense is a lot better than I expected it would be. Um, it is very deep, and they battle you all the way through, and they're a tough team to play. They exploit your weaknesses very well. Yeah. But all that said, I just think Vanderbilt's a juggernaut. I, I do too. I think Vanderbilt's going to win that game. I like. I, mean, I think North Carolina has a chance because of Patrick Johnson. Um, but you know, Vanderbilt is a lot more balanced at the plate. I thought Stanford, while more talented. I was all ready to pick Stanford to beat North Carolina last weekend until you threw out how right-handed Stanford was. That lack of balance killed them. North Carolina carved them up, and Ken Emanuel as a left-hander is so effective as a freshman pitching inside to right-handed hitters, and that's what makes Ken Emanuel so successful as a freshman. Um, you know, that's I thought that the matchup was a terrible matchup for Stanford, but I think that Vanderbilt is a terrible matchup for North Carolina. They have a lot of North Carolina's same strengths, the one advantage North Carolina has is they do have a lot of players who are on that 09 team. They do have Omaha experience in their coaching staff and in their and in their dugout with their players who've been there. You know, guys like Jacob Stallings, Levi Michael. You know, those guys played in Omaha a couple of years ago. But I think Vanderbilt is going to negate that by, like I said, being loosey goosey. They're play I just really th- I think they're playing with house money, and I think we're going to. Hey, I, Vanderbilt was my preseason national championship pick. I haven't changed it all year. I, I, I wavered a little bit when the fact that Vanderbilt lost both to South Carolina and to Florida, but I still think talent is talent. And uh, but but that's a compelling matchup. I think North Carolina. I think North Carolina actually matches up almost better with Florida in some ways than they do because Florida's lineup is not quite as deep as Vanderbilt's. I think North mm-hmm. Carolina has maybe while while especially if Johnson and Maddox aren't playing for Florida, and I don't know what their status is, but that would be a 
that would give a li- that would make me think North Carolina would be more competitive with Florida. But I do think Florida, and we're segueing into that. Florida's like Vanderbilt. Texas is a really good team. Like you said, pitching and defense of the hilt. I don't know if Taylor Youngman's a little gassed. He's lost his last two starts. It's not like he's gotten rocked, but he certainly hasn't no. been as, as effective. And Florida has its own ace in Hudson Randall, who is maybe doesn't have Taylor Youngman's stuff, but he's building a Taylor Youngman-esque resume. Yep. And especially if Johnson and, and Maddox are healthy, Aaron, Van, uh, Florida really doesn't have a – they really don't have a weak spot, do they? No, they don't. And that's that's the key, though, I think, is, is the health. Well, it's not the key, but it's certainly a key. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think they're good enough and deep enough that they can win without those guys, as they did this weekend. Um, you know, you put you put Ramjit at first base, and uh, you know he's got some pop in there, and uh, um, you, you put uh, you know Carson Whitson in your number two starter spot, uh, and and you've got lots of options for the number three spot. I mean, they just they're just so deep. But but that said, you know that makes a big difference whether or not those two guys are going to play. And right now we don't know. Uh, hopefully we'll get an update on that uh, on Friday at the press conference. But, um, you know, they uh, they are very – I think they're more complete than Texas. I think that's pretty clear. Um, they're, they're – both these teams are really deep on the mound. Um, I think Florida is deeper than Texas. Absolutely. You certainly like, you certainly like you know Taylor Youngman at, at the front in this matchup. I mean, he's really he's outstanding. But you know, Randall's been pitching better down the stretch. I mean, Randall went through a little rough patch toward the end of the regular season, uh, and then he got it ironed out and pitched great in the SEC tournament. And he's been great since then. And he's he's kind of like Youngman in that he pounds the strike zone, mixes up spots, and he's got incredible command, just like Youngman. They both command the fastball very well. Um, and you know, they've got three or four pitches that they'll mix on you. And, and I mean. Uh, Right now, I mean, Randall is, is – I think he's got a, he's got a less, less daunting task facing the Texas offense than Youngman has against the Florida offense. I, 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 like, I like Florida in this game. I do too. The one X factor is Taylor Youngman was awfully good at Johnny Rosenblatt Stadium two years ago. It's a new park. Boy, that guy uh, had ice in his veins in Omaha two years ago. It's hard to pick against him in Omaha, but I tell you what, Hudson Randall – Looked ridiculous in the postseason. A couple of, you know, got to see both the Florida regional and super regional uh, on the TV. And that guy looks pretty good. I mean, he, uh, yeah. there's deception, there's command, there's life, there's, uh, you know, the, uh, it, like the, like the, those Braves pitchers of old, like the Maddoxes and Glavins, he does not give in. He executes his pitch pattern. The, my vulnerability for Florida is despite all their arms and all their power arms, Maddox is the guy in their bullpen who has killer instinct. They don't have Maddox at the back of their bullpen. I think they're in trouble. I think they're vulnerable. I think that even though Navery Moore is a little sketchy for for Vanderbilt too, back of their bullpen, Florida has blown a lead without Maddox, Mm. and they didn't protect the lead very well against Mississippi State in the last game of the Super Regional either. That's right. To me, without Maddox, I just don't. I know DeSclafani and Mirande and Toledo have great arms, but those are all the guys who pitched all those midweek games for them too. And they lost those games. Yeah. So I, I think that's, to me, without that's where Maddox matters most. And he might even matter more than Brian Johnson, even though Brian Johnson's the better player. Uh, I think that Florida's more equipped to replace Johnson in the lineup and, uh, uh, you know, in their rotation because Karsten Whitson's so good and Randall's so good. Um, and you might, if you win, you only need two starters. But on the bullpen, I really think they need Austin Maddox. So... Um, I'm sticking. I'm, I think Florida over Texas, Vanderbilt over North Carolina. It sounds like you're picking the same thing. 
Um, yeah. You still picking Florida to win that bracket? I'm going to stick with, with it, you know, and, and, and I think, like I said, I think Vanderbilt, uh, it's easy to see Vanderbilt going in there and winning that. Any of these teams could. It's a, you know, they're four national seeds. Uh, for me, I, I think Vanderbilt would be the next team that I think is, is very likely. I just think that I like the way they're playing. I like their, the way their team is constructed. But uh, I, I like the fact that Florida was here last year. I mean, to me, you know, even though, as, as I just talked about, sometimes first-timers can come in there loose and easy and all that, uh, it generally it does help to have Omaha experience, and uh, Florida has a lot of it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I suspect we're going to see – Maddox and Johnson, that's just my hunch. I don't know for sure, but um, I, I just, you know, I think Florida is a, a really good team, just like Vanderbilt is. They're both, to me, the most complete teams out there. Um, I'm going to stick with Florida. I think the two most complete rosters out there, that's for sure. Um, the team I like that, the fact that go ahead. I like the fact that Florida was pushed to the brink in Super Regionals and, and responded. To me, that really matters. Uh, you know, a lot of teams that that go on to have these great runs have had moments of truth like that. You know, and we saw it from South Carolina a number of times last year. Certainly, I mean, they won all those elimination games in a row in Omaha. Uh, you know, those Oregon State teams. Um, you know, the 07 especially, I think, was the one that ran through the losers bracket. No, it was the 06 team that ran through the losers bracket. Um, you know, we Texas. You know, when they they reached the championship game a few years ago, I mean, they had over and over again. You know, the 20 whatever inning game and right. over and over again against Army. I mean, they. You know, I, I like teams that have had to overcome those kind of things. So for me, um, Florida's been tested and they've passed. For what it's worth, the Orlando Sentinel uh, says of uh, Brian Johnson and Austin Maddox that uh, Maddox, um, you know, has still has a hard cast on his left foot, um, mm-hmm. and it was on crutches and he came to a meeting this week. Johnson, of course, recovering from the uh, concussion. You know, concussions are tough. Look at Justin Morneau. He's had a terrible year this year. His concussion was last July. Um, you know, uh, he still is not right. Um, you know, Kevin O'Sullivan's quote in this story is, I honestly haven't talked to our trainer yet, but I'm hoping, just like everyone else here, I'm hoping we get those guys back. Uh, to me, that's a big that, – that's an advantage Vanderbilt. Um, yeah. Big, obviously, uh, Florida's deep and has all kinds of talent. But uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, that that regional, if any of those four teams won the national championship, Aaron, none of us would be surprised. On the other right. side of the bracket, Virginia against California. I think it's safe to say that if California won the national championship, it'd be one of the biggest stories in college baseball history just because of a program yes. that was on the brink of elimination, winning it all. And then uh, you know, Texas A&M and South Carolina, obviously you wouldn't be shocked – but it would be a, it would be amazing for South Carolina to repeat here. And let's start with the Gamecocks. We both picked against them last weekend. Our our Jim Schoner, who went to the Super Regional, said he thought you know watching the games, UConn was a little bit more talented. The more talented team was UConn, but South Carolina has that certain something. And uh, all the you know reports I've seen say that Jackie Bradley is going to play in Omaha. He's going to come back. Yeah. And uh, this has a chance. And that makes a kind of a big difference just defensively not that, who's to who's to say what he's gonna do at the plate he was only hitting 260 before he got hurt and you know uh it's a new ballpark and all these things new year new team he's been clear to take swings that's the official cleared to practice that's the official way to put it right now but he could be back uh let's start off talking about the Gamecocks what is it about this team that uh makes them uh battle so well 
Hmm. Well, I think you used the right word there. I mean, it starts <laughs> with Ray Tanner at the top. You know, the, the he's he's the king of battling that guy, and and uh, <laughs> they 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 follow his lead. You know, he's one of the great coaches out there. He might be right now. He might be the best coach in college baseball. I, mean, the way I think he, the last he is. Two years, I think I he mean, is. I agree with you completely on that. He's pushed all the right buttons, and he's no doubt. won. This year, he's won without as much talent as other teams. Certainly, I mean, I don't think – I think it's clear they don't have as much talent as Vanderbilt or Florida, and they won series against both those teams. Uh, um, they just win, baby. They just they just win, and, and um, you know, they, uh, they're experienced. They're a great defensive team. Um, you know, they don't blow you away on the mound. I mean, even their number one guy. I, Michael Roth, he's got a 1.02 ERA, and he's you know he's a pitchability left-hander, and he's got incredible pitchability. Unbelievable! Um, that guy has uh, he's unbelievable. If we were of uh, well, I'm going to say it anyway. He's got brass ones the size of Pittsburgh. Yeah. As a as a Will Lingo's favorite quote of all time, it was an Expos official talking to him about Ben Fleetum, a former Expos minor leaguer, and Will asked him like, "What makes him so successful as a relief pitcher?" And there was a pause on the other line. And the coach or the manager, whoever we were talking to, just said, ball's the size of Pittsburgh. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just – that's Michael Roth, isn't it? I mean – and Matt yeah. Price, and Matt Price, as you had in your uh, Super Regional preview, your source just said, that guy is a tough SOB when he gets on the mound. And I'll tell you what, Aaron, whatever coach told you that Vanderbilt had the best bullpen in the history of college baseball, <laughs> they don't even have the best bullpen in the SEC. It's clearly South Carolina. I won't hear any discussion about it. Their bullpen and the fact that they have so much confidence when they play, thanks to their bullpen and defense, that's what sets them apart to me. Is yeah. they they know when in the fifth inning or even the fourth or fifth inning that when they have a lead, they know. Yeah. They know they're going to win, and they, yeah, uh, they and they play like it. And and that's been key because you know, like like against UConn, I think in the second game this weekend, right. um, you know they can get the, to the fourth or fifth inning with with Colby Holmes. Uh, you know Tanner said, well then we figured we could mix and match with uh, with uh, you know Taylor and Mata and you know all these guys back there. Where they got Webb and they've got Harper and you know just bridge the gap until it's Matt Price time and when he comes in. I mean that to me is is so important is to have the in Omaha especially. I mean how many times yep. do we see? The closer is is such a key role in the College World Series. You got to have the guy that can pitch multiple innings, who can come back for you. I mean, we saw it with you know Kevin Gunderson. We've seen it with uh, Houston Street, of course. You know, Holden, even Holden it. Sprague. I mean, you don't think about Holden it. Sprague. He was he was essential. Or it's Brandon, Burke. St- Brandon Burke. I'm sorry, Brandon Burke. Guy. Thank you, Brandon Burke. Thank you. Holden Sprague was like a setup guy, but Brandon Burke. I mean, that was a guy. Mike Bates on his team trusted, and that Fresno State team, A, they had ridiculous offense, and B, they knew when they got those veteran guys, the back of their bullpen on the mound late in games, they trusted them. You know, if the dude with the skullet was out there, it might have been a little different. I think Holden, <laughs> I think Holden Sprague might have had the skullet. That's why his name sticks in my head. I don't think so. Oh, but, come uh... on. Who had the skullet? It was, uh, it, was a, it was a guy named – was it Tomlinson or something like that? Uh, some name like that. I don't remember, but, anyway. but uh, I just remember that skull. It was ridiculous. <laughs> the mullet with the shaved head uh, was a very strange combination. But I, I think South Carolina's bullpen sets it apart. Yeah. Who's the is South Carolina the favorite on this side of the bracket, or is it Virginia the number one national seed? Well, I mean, at this point, it's hard to bet against South Carolina, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think you know. it, I think South Carolina is a favorite. 
I, I think the defending national champions, number four national seed, SEC co-champions, yeah, I, I think so. I think that's fair to say. Um, I think we're going to have Ric Flair on Charlotte Radio or on South Carolina Radio this weekend screaming to be the man. you got to beat the man because it's the best thing going today. And yeah. punctuated, punctuated with the now cliched woo. But the uh, thing, the thing that I worry, I mean, to me, it comes down to Virginia and South Carolina, and, and you know, nothing against those other two teams. And we should probably talk about those teams a little bit. But um, to me, if I'm if I'm looking at Virginia and South Carolina, you know, to me, it, the price is price is the difference maker, and he is. Con- Continued to just pitch extremely well, and, and Brandon Klein in the back of the UVA bullpen has been a little bit shaky here in the postseason, um, just a little bit. You know, he's got an ERA about five in the postseason, so as great of a season as he's had, I, I don't get the sense that he's the uh, the difference maker that that Matt Price is. So here's a you question: know, be, Can you can can yeah. um, can North Carolina, can Virginia, I should say, get cute? Do they have enough trust? in, say, Will Roberts or Tyler Wilson to start one of those guys against Cal and hold back Danny Holson mm. for South Carolina, which is a platoon type of team, but which I think is more a little left-handed, even though Christian Walker is their best hitter and he's right-handed. South Carolina has some pretty nice left-handed bats in their lineup as well. Uh, would they be better off with Danny Holson against South Carolina? Can they get cute like that with, with Tyler Wilson or or uh, you know, Cody Winarski or uh, – you know, or, or right, someone right. else. Uh... I, I don't think so, and the reason is because um, you want to be able to bring Holton back sooner, uh, you know, rather than, than have to wait until Monday for – or sorry, I guess Tuesday for him to pitch, and then you know, have to bring him back. Uh, it just gives him less time to recover for his second appearance. I just think you want to use Holton as many times as you can without putting him in, into a position where he doesn't have adequate rest. So for me, I, I still use Holton in the first game. That makes sense. The thing is, I guess if you the thing is if you start him in that second game and you win, if you win those first three games, then you right, have Holton right. for the first game of the of the finals rested, which sure. would be awfully tempting. Awfully tempting. Plus, they don't play till Sunday, correct? Virginia. That's right. Yep. So you could conceivably bring back. It wasn't Wilson just through Monday. You could bring him back on Sunday. He's on five days rest. I mean, that would be plenty of rest. And Tyler Wilson. If there's anybody other than Danny Holton, you'd want to have that ball. It'd be Tyler Wilson, and he's a yeah. senior, and he's nasty. And uh, Cal, can Cal win this without Justin Jones? Sounds like Justin Jones had his arm in a sling at the Super Regional you were at. F- for whatever reason, jumped on the dog pile with his arm in a sling, which yeah, kind of not bright. Come on, Cal kids, you're supposed to be smarter than that. But um, but Justin Jones, what do you what do you think uh, without Justin Jones, can, does Cal have a shot here? I think they, to me, they something they have to have their best left hander to win out there. Yeah, I, I think I think they need him. Uh, you know, he pitched very well against DBU, uh, six innings of one-hit ball, and um, you know when he's on, he's very good. And he's he's been a little bit up and down, but um, in in his his career really, but he's been more up than down. I mean, he's he's a good pitcher, um, but uh, you know he's got a biceps injury. Um, I haven't heard an update on that this week, but as of Monday, they said he was going to have some more tests, and and we'll we'll see. But I mean, I think yeah, they need him to make a run here. Eric Johnson is good, and uh, he gives them a chance against UVA. You know, I, I've, I think I've talked about Johnson a lot. Probably last week, I think I talked about him. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I just think in the end, I, I I love this Cal team. You know, I, I picked them to go to Omaha from the start of the NCAA tournament. You did. Um, but they, I, I think it's great that they're here, and it's a great story. And you know, if they win a couple of games, boy, they're going to be. Uh, obviously, they're going to be, I think, the, the local favorite. I mean, after all they've had to endure, it's hard not to root for those guys. 
um, tried to kill their program this very season, and here they are in Omaha. Um, you know, that's that's a great story, and, and uh, they'll be an Omaha darling if they can win a game or two, and even if they can't. But um, they're, you know, I, I, again, for me, it goes back to Virginia having been pushed to the brink and survived. The same thing I was talking about with Florida. Um, I think they come out here and and uh, and take care of business. I'll tell you the, the sleeper, the team we haven't talked about yet, is Texas A&M. And they go on the road and beat a Florida State team that's a very good home team. Not a great team, but a very good home team. Uh, win that on the road. And talk about playing with a chip on their shoulder. They didn't get a top eight national seed. And, the uh, the you know, Tim Weezer mentions the John Stilson injury as part of the reason why. And now without their ace, they've just gone out and won a regional and a super regional. And they look like they're playing with a massive chip on their shoulder. And they yeah. still have two very good starters in Ross Stripling, Michael Waka. I love their speed. I love the fact that they can play, Aaron, at different speeds. They can play a small ball game if they need to. They can play a little bit of a power game. They don't have great power, yeah. but they, they, they have a little bit more offensive firepower, certainly, than Texas. Um, I think A&M's pretty interesting ball club. Uh, borderline top eight national seed. And then Tyler Naquin, they might have a guy, correct me if I'm pronouncing the name wrong, but might be one of the most underrated, like in my mind, college players out there. So it's like a guy like where there's not one loud tool other than yeah. the, the, the throwing arm. But he doesn't have a weakness. And he sounds like he, if he's your best player, you're a good team. I, I really like Naquin. You did say it right. Um, he's, uh, and he's a guy that when I was doing my recruiting stuff a couple of years ago, he's the guy that people said he's going to be a great player. He's going to be dynamic. Um, you know, scouts loved him out of high school even. And, uh, and he's shown why, I mean, he's the big 12 player of the year. So he's, he's gotten some, some attention certainly, but, uh, he's a doubles machine. He hits for high average. He makes them go out of the leadoff spot. And, um, and of course he's got, you know, one of the very best arms in college baseball, him and Austin Wilson for me are the two guys. And you can throw Dusty Robinson in the mix if you want. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they're an athletic team. Um, they're, they're, they're better than you think up the middle. You know, they've had Kenny Jackson there at shortstop. He's done a nice job. Um, they, uh, they do have, like you said, they have a little bit of power. I mean, Andrew uh, Smith, um, Adam, yeah, Adam Smith, Smith excuse yeah. me. He, he had a big home run, you know, against Florida state in that last game. And he's, he's got a lot of power potential in there that he's, you know, if you make a mistake, he'll really hurt you. Uh, and Matt Yingle's got some pop and yeah, they are more physical offense than Texas. Uh, I wonder what they're going to do in the first game. If they're going to go with Stripling on a little bit more rest, or if they're going to bring back Waka, who pitched on Monday. Uh, either way, you know those guys are good, and they've got a real chance there. Um, it's, uh, you know, again, I mean, all these teams here in this College World Series have at least a really good number one starter that gives them a chance. Um, you know, so I think any one of these four matchups could go either way when you've got that kind of quality pitching. Um, so. Who knows what's going to happen, but I'll, I'll take the favorites on this side, Virginia and, and South Carolina. Well, which one? You got to pick one. Um, if, if I have to pick one, who do you like? Well, I picked Virginia to start the, the, the whole start of the Coddled Series. I picked Vanderbilt and Virginia as the two bracket champions, and I picked an, an all-V. Uh, I guess I'm a Natalie Portman fan. It was an all-V uh, finals. Uh, and so I, I picked Vanderbilt to win that. I'm sticking with that as those two teams are still there, but I am anointing South Carolina the favorite in uh, Omaha on this side of the bracket just because they they have that little certain something. Um, yeah. I, I'm picking Virginia because that's who I picked at the start, and I agree with you. I think both uh, – I think it will serve 
Florida and Virginia well to have had their brush with death in the in the super regional and uh you know make sure they play a little loose and they both have players with Omaha experience uh you know I kind of like Virginia's chances a little bit better cuz Danny Halton and Tyler Wilson and Will Roberts these guys are really good Virginia can really pitch yeah. and I I have a feeling in a sense that between the bats even with the heat but it sounds like it's going to be it sounds like it's pretty humid in Omaha there's a lot of flooding going on there to Tough time for the people of Omaha. I hope that they can get through that. I hope the series can handle all the flooding that's going on there right now. Um, that's definitely a side story to watch here, this Caldwell series. Um, but I really hope that uh, – I, I, I think that Virginia and Florida will be served well by that. Um, I think it's going to play very much as a pitcher's park. That's where I was, that's where I was headed at first. I think right. TD Ameritrade is going to play as a pitcher's park, Aaron. Uh, I played at a pitcher's park in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. That's going to serve Virginia well. Uh, that's going to serve, I think, the teams that also have some power pitching that can miss some bats and uh, and that defend uh, very well. And uh, South Carolina does all those things. I think Virginia can do them a little bit better. So while I think South Carolina is a favorite, I'm still picking the, uh, Virginia on that side of the bracket, but, but Vanderbilt still might pick to win the whole thing. The thing to me you know, that I like about Virginia, if, if, you're, if we're both projecting, let's say, that Virginia and South Carolina win those first two matchups, is right. Virginia has the pitching edge. Uh, in the next game, Tyler Wilson is better than uh, whoever South Carolina would or throw Forrest out there. Kumas, Holmes or right. Kumis. Yep. Uh, he's, you know, Tyler Wilson's a senior, and he's a big game guy, and he's got really good stuff. And, uh, you know, that's a significant edge. And offensively, I think these teams are pretty comparable. Uh, they both have a lot of veteran guys and tough at-bats, um, tough outs, you know. And, and, and uh, I'm tired of t- picking against South Carolina because every yeah, time I too. do – me too. Uh, it it doesn't work out for me, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my pre-tournament prediction also and go with Virginia on that side of the bracket. So you're picking Florida over Virginia in the finals, correct? Yes, I am. And I'm picking Vanderbilt over Virginia in the finals. Aaron, we bought a flip cam today, but it's not a flip; it's a flip type cam. We will uh, see you next. Uh, we won't call it a video podcast like we did a couple years ago. We'll just call it a Baseball America video or something like that. But uh, we'll do a pre-series video. I think we've got some video from the Nike House. Uh, coming up as well, and uh, just some video thoughts from the Caldwell series, and hopefully some interviews with players and coaches as well. So we'll uh, both be in Omaha. Uh, looking forward to the Caldwell series. Kirk Kenny will be chiming in again, uh, which will also always helps our coverage a little bit out there. And uh, just looking forward to uh, closing a great college baseball season on a high note, Aaron. It's uh, it's been a fascinating year. The first year of the new era of college baseball and uh, can't wait to see how the college world series goes in this new park. I mean, I think it's exciting uh, as much as, you know, I, I miss Rosenblatt. I've turned the page time for uh, everybody to do that. And uh, it's now it's just exciting. You know, it's, it's something new and um, it's, it's going to be fun. I think so too. I think you're right. I think the rest of us won't turn the page until we get there for the first time. Um, you've had, you've had the opportunity to be there. I think a lot of people are going to have a hard time turning the page Hopefully that's not the whole center of conversation. I hope we can put some of the focus on the teams on the field as well. But uh, with this field, the first time we've had all BCS League teams since uh, 1987. Uh, wow. You know, yeah, and even then, Florida State wasn't in the ACC, but they are now. But every other year, you've had a big, uh, a, you know, a Fullerton or a Long Beach or a TCU or. Uh, you know, the one year Creighton 19 or Pepperdine. Yeah. Well, 1990, you had two Southern Conference teams, Georgia Southern and Citadel, <laughs> you know, both go to wow. Omaha. So, yeah. So every year 
1987, you've had someone who's not from these big four leagues uh, in the top in, in the College World Series. But this year, it's all those big four, the four BCS leagues that are also not Northern leagues, so right. SEC, ACC, Big 12, and Pac-10. Those are the only four leagues that contribute teams to the College World Series this year. So it's it's the heavy hitters. Frere and Fit, I'm John Manuel. The next time we talk to you, it'll be live from, well, not live, it'll be from Omaha. We look forward to it on the next Baseball America podcast. Until then, so long, everybody.